Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Brought to us by Goyle. Goyle, they say good energy. Goyle, Yenara, Yedia. My name, as always, is Yabanafo, and I'm excited to be your host for the show today. We'll be continuing with our conversation um, as we started last week on business compliance and corporate governance. Last week, we had with us in the studio, we're privileged to have with us in the studio the head of legal um, of the legal department of First Code Management Services, and he shared with us some wonderful thoughts on things that we should look out for when it comes to corporate governance. Today, we continue that conversation, but we'll be dwelling a bit more on the area of compliance. You know, we set up our businesses, and sometimes we just go straight to business of um, selling and of putting services out there and of putting products out there. But we must remember that our businesses, first of all, have to be registered at the Registrar Generals because we exist in a country and there are laws that govern the way we do business and the way we do things. It's absolutely important also not just to know about these laws, but also to be able to work towards complying with them. And that's where the issue of compliance comes in. And the reason for being able to comply is because for all the issues where they are non-compliant, the law also prescribes sanction. And some of these sanctions usually are in the area of penalties or penal payments to businesses. Let's remember that the reason you set up that business, other than fulfillment, other than trying to put some services out there to make people's lives better, is also to make a bit of money for yourself. Now, if you're making all of that money and you're paying it back in penalties, surely that becomes a difficult thing. Even more so when it's not just about you anymore, but also of your workers. Because if, if the funds that are available for you to put the business out there it's being used to pay um, penalties and taxes that you haven't paid or penalties for things you should have done that you didn't do. Then you become limited on money to even be able to pay salaries. And then you go into litigation and then you go into labor issues and the list goes on and on and on from there. Today, we're happy to have back with us in the conversation, Richard Edudakon. Richard, you're welcome back to the conversation. Thank you so much. It's great to be here again. Yes, we're excited to have you here. And feedback from last week shows that people really picked up a few tidbits. That's great. More than a few tidbits. And today we're hoping to get a, um, a bit more. Sure. Because like I always say here on the show, the things that we, we, we share here on Masterclass, you know, we, we take the pains to bring people who are renowned in their, in their various fields of endeavor so that they share information because information is power. Once you have the information, you have the influence, you have the power to make more money. So what we share here is golden. It's even more valuable than money. And by all means, do pick up your pens and make sure that you make all the notes that you can. We're also streaming live on Facebook for those who want to watch us. If you're driving, you can by all means put your radio here and listen to us. And when we do get interactive, you can also be a part of that conversation. Just in about 30 seconds or so, Richard. Because today I want us to dwell a bit more on the area of compliance. Um, for those of, of, of our listeners who missed the conversation last week, we spoke about corporate governance. Could sure. you just sort of do a quick recap on that conversation and then we can sort of go into today's conversation if you like. Great. Yes. Uh, so last week, we considered corporate governance mm. and our focus was more on the board of directors yes. and how to set up a proper board, mm -hmm. get the right qualification, get the right people, and then make sure that the systems are working within the organization 
such that the business is not just yours anymore. Mm. You are different from the business. So the entity is separate from your personality. And we considered our culture and how our culture influences the way we do business. That if you are able to distinguish between our personality and our entities, then the business will grow. Mm. So that's basically what we discuss with regards to um, corporate governance, especially with the formation of board of directors. I remember something that, something yeah. that was quite interesting in the conversation we had. Yeah. And you know, um, opening the show today, I did say that the way we do business in any context, this this time our context is Ghana because this is where we are, is 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 governed by law. Sure, a lot of pe- people do businesses on their own because maybe there's a, fa- a family recipe. Maybe this family is good at, um, mm. let's say, um, healing bones. I'm talking about context in Ghana. Yeah. This family is good. So when somebody breaks a bone, they're able to help you to mend it. And then they take a token for it. It's good. And nobody talks about it mm. until you register it. And it becomes a legal business. Mm. Now, we, we talked about the different types of businesses that can be registered. Like sole proprietorships, partnerships, and limited liabilities. Yeah. Our focus last week was on limited liabilities. Sure. And we're saying that the way you run a sole proprietorship or an unregistered business is slightly, if is significantly different from the way you should run a limited liability. In fact, the law pays a bit more attention to you the moment you add limited to your name. To the extent that we talked about bots and we said when you are an owner of a business, you necessarily do not qualify to be on the board of that business by virtue of being the owner. In fact, there are, there are steps to follow, and, and all of that information is available in the New Companies yeah. Act. I remember you mentioned yes. that. So if you own a business, it's not uh, by force, if I can borrow that phrase, <laughs> that you should necessarily be on the board of that, of that institution. And gradually, there's a lot of education going on, and compliance is going to set in you know, very soon. I think that since the new act came into force, a bit of a grace period has been given for yes. people to sort of fall in line and begin to do the right thing. So you're listening to us, you have a business talk to your lawyer. If you don't have a company lawyer, by all means, there's a lawyer who consults for you. Talk to them and find out, I'm a limited liability. I run a business. What are the requirements of me regarding the law so that the law doesn't catch up with me? Oftentimes, we just focus on the tax bit and then we forget. Let's go into today's conversation. Compliance, because that's where the issue comes in. There will be no compliance if there is no breach (laughs) or there is no um, potential of breach. You know, I was reading earlier before I came um, on the show and I was looking at some of the famous statements that have been made regarding compliance. Mm. And one of the statements I read said that we're looking at corporate governance becoming the gold standard Mm. or compliance becoming the gold standard so that everyone can follow it. Talk to us about compliance and make it relevant to our context here in Ghana. Sure. So when we talk about business compliance, it's simply adhering to the specific statutory requirements in order to be protected and to avoid liabilities attended with default of same. So let's say you have a business. You've set it up already, the board is in place, and you start working. What are the things that you need to comply with? So compliance comes from the word compliance. I mean, complying with a requirement. The law that governs compliance is the Companies Act. There are other regulations, there are other laws that are industry-specific. But if you are looking at the generality of businesses, so entities that have been formed in Ghana here, or that are operating in this country, then we are looking at the Companies Act, Act 992, that's 2019. This is the new law that is taking care of businesses and how they have to comply with the laws and regulations that there is. So first and foremost, you have to choose the appropriate business vehicle. So either you are a sole proprietor, you are a partnership, or you are limited by guarantee, or an unlimited company, or a limited by shares company you have to know that this 
bit of business vehicle that you've chosen is proper for the business you want to do. So if you think that your business is not going to be that big and you want to be the, the sole owner of the business and be in charge, then you have no business to have a limited by shares company. Rather, you can do um, a sole proprietorship. So I want us to focus on companies operating in Ghana limited by shares, like we studied yesterday, uh, last week when we dealt with companies limited by shares. So when it comes to compliance, before you even set up the business, you are pregnant with the idea, then you go to Registrar General, you want to start, you want to know whether your name um, that you've chosen is available and all of that. There are engagements that you, you, you go through, you get promoters, you get into contracts, you even get contracts for people who are designing your office for you, who are putting up billboards and all of that. These people are people that are going to set up, help you set up your business. When they, 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 you start these arrangements mm. with them and you have that contract with them, what it means is that you are engaging them in the name of your company, right. the company that is yet to be born. These are pre-incorporation contracts. When you set up the business and finally Registrar General gives you the go-ahead and the business operating permit and you are supposed to commence operations, the moment you start, the first thing you have to do is to ratify the various engagements you had with these entities or promoters or people that you had the business with. So if you had the business, uh, you had a contract with someone who was going to supply you with, let's say, um, um, an office equipment and you didn't sign an agreement or you signed an agreement in the name of the company, when you register the company, you need to make sure that you ratify mm. that um, agreement that you had or that contract that you had. Let's say you had directors, people that you thought were going to be directors, and then you put their names in the registration of the business. So Registrar General has those people's names as the people that have registered for the business or the directors of the business as you have registered it. And then at a point, you, you, you get all the setup done, everything is fine, and you intend to continue with them. Then you have to ratify every engagement you had with them because at that point, they may be promoters. They were helping you set up their business. Then we have what you call even nominee directors. There are people you can appoint to be on your board for purposes of registration. But after registration, you may not want to keep them or you may want to keep them. If you need any of these people and you have services with them, you have an arrangement with them, you have contracts with them, at the end of the day when you are registered, you need to ratify the engagement that you had with these people. So when it comes to pre-incorporation contract and the requirement to ratify this contract is catered for under Section 11 of the Companies Act that says that make sure you do this. This is a law that you need to comply with. So you cannot play with it. Then you come to, um, after you've set up the business, you need to hold annual general meetings. It is a requirement of the law pursuant to Section 157 of the Companies Act that hold annual general meetings. When you have the company and you don't hold annual general meetings, the registrar of company can sanction you for not holding your annual general meeting. So it is a mandate. You are required by the law to make sure that you have annual general meetings held, at least in between every 15 months. So Every 15 months, you should make sure that there's an annual general meeting held for the company. And then you report to the registrar general with this um, um, annual general meeting. And then when you have resolutions during these meetings, you need to notify the um, registrar general 
and then file these resolutions at the registrar general. So assuming that um, in one of your annual general meetings, you decided that the company secretary should be changed and then you voted on it and you've taken a decision and you've gotten a new company secretary, you need to file at the registrar general and notify the registrar of companies that this has taken place and that now there's a new secretary or there's a new director or there's a new member of the company. You need to make sure that these things are done. And then um, still on the registration of certain resolutions, you must make sure that those resolutions are certified. You don't just send a document to the registrar general and say that you have, you, have, you have changed a director or you have changed somebody, you've taken a decision. You need to ratify it. And when you ratify, it should be done within 28 days of passing that resolution. And this is a requirement of the law. You are mandated that take this step within this number of days and make sure that it is done. If you don't do it, you have gone against the law. You have breached the law. And then there are accompanying punishments for that. Another area of um, 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 what do we call business compliance that we have to look at is the filing of annual returns. So when you set up your company, though it's a business that you have set up on your own, like we said earlier, it does not belong to you. The company belongs, it, it has a separate entity on its own. So it belongs to the members, it belongs to whoever is involved in the business. And then you have to make sure that the dealings of the company, your financial statement, you have to make sure that everything that has got to do with the company is reported to the Registrar General in the form of annual returns. That is also catered for in Section 126 of the, of the Companies Act. It says that make sure that every year, after 36 days, that you have completed your financial statements and same has been given to all those that matter. So let's say the auditors and the directors and everybody have been given a copy, members have been given a copy of, of the financial statement that has been audited. Then you have to file at the Registrar General's Department. There is a form that you need to fill together with the financial statement. And then if you are a company limited by shares, a private company limited by shares, as we have indicated, there should be a certification that the company has not invited any member of the public to acquire shares. What this means is that you are a company, you said you are, you are private limited by shares. So you cannot go out in the public space, let's say the stock market, and say that you are asking for people to become members of that company. It means you are floating shares and you are share, uh, selling those shares for people to become members of that company. That one is in breach of the law. So when you are filing your annual returns, you make sure that you have a certification that says that within this period that we operated, for the last 12 months that we worked as a company, we are a private company limited by shares and we have not invited any public member to buy shares in this company. Then you also have to get a certification that the number of members and debenture holders of the company does not exceed 50. These are all requirements of the law that you need to comply with. You need to have a written statement by the auditors and the financial statement to indicate that all the members have gotten the financial statement, all the auditors, every member of the company, every person that matters in the company has received a certified copy of the financial statement that you are going to file with the Registrar General. And then a written statement that the body corporate is not for a beneficial interest of any other organization. So you have to make sure that you make all these declarations before you go to the Registrar General with your annual report forms and then say that you are going to file your annual returns. If you don't do this, what it means is that you are going to face administrative penalties of 25 penalty units 
each day that you default. And that is not just you <laughs> as the CEO, mm-hmm. but managing director, those we call the officers of the company, and then the directors. Any other person that is at the top hierarchy of the company, together with the company, are jointly and severally liable to pay 25 penalty units each day that you continue to default on this. It sounds like a very tall order, very daunting, but it's something that must be done, like you're saying, yes. because that's the position of the law, yes. which is why you know you need the help of a lawyer in order to do this. And if you're listening to us, don't be intimidated, don't be afraid. That's what the lawyers are trained to do. They're trained to be able to give us, you know, um, the direction in dealing with with some of these things. But you you just mentioned a certain phrase which is of keen interest to me: jointly and severally. Um, for the layperson listening to us, they're thinking that if it's a sole proprietorship, and that's what we've always, um, you know, when we went to business school. I mean, in the basic form of it, yes. this is what we are taught: that if it's a sole proprietorship, it's you. If something goes wrong, they're coming for your house. They're coming for your car. Yes. If it's a company limited by shares. It hits the company, and it's not you. I mean, when it goes to court, if you declare bankruptcy or whatever, yeah. you know, it doesn't touch your person. But you're talking about being jointly and severally liable for 25 penalty points. Yeah. Even before we go to a definition of what the 25 penalty points are in terms of money, talk to us about liability to the person on the board, liability to the person of the CEO, when he's a CEO or a board member of a limited liability company. And, and I'm asking this question for education. Yes. So in, in answering it, let's, let's educate yes. our listeners. So remember last week we looked at um, facing civil liabilities mm. or criminal liabilities. Correct. If you're a, a board member and you, you do things in the name of the company that you are not mandated to do mm. and it's criminal in nature or it's in breach of the law. Vicarious liability. Yes. So today... What we are saying is that if you are an officer, and by officer we mean the top hierarchy of mm-hmm. the business, or you are a member or a board, I mean board of director mm-hmm. of the company, either an executive or a non-executive, our law just identifies all directors as directors. So whichever role that you play, you are part of the direction of the company. Mm-hmm. You are part of the decision-making of the company. So things that you are supposed to comply with in the law, if you fail to do it, it means that it was either deliberate, it was out of your negligence, and we cannot just hold just the company. The company is run by human beings. So you have a responsibility as a person and then the company as a legal entity to face these administrative penal charges. So the punishment is not just for the company, which is limited in nature, but you as, 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 as an officer of the company as well. And that is what the law says. Was this the position before the New Companies Act? Yes. It has come, it has been re-emphasized and re-echoed in this new okay. act. So yes. you're listening to us. Um, our theology is changing. You know, in, in, in school, when we we're doing science in the beginning, they'll teach you that, you know, X, Y, Z happens at this point. As you grow older, you find that there's a bit more detail to that principle they taught you. Now we're learning that if you're a sole proprietorship, you are personally responsible. If you're a limited liability and you're in the position of authority, you are also personally liable. You know, and it's important that we, we absolutely understand that. And, you know, like Richard is sharing with us, this position is even more so reinforced by the New Companies Act, which has sought to bring some kind of sanity into the corporate governance aspect of the way we run businesses in this country. If, you, if you're just um, tuned in and listening to us, this is Masterclass here on the Superstation, and we're sharing thoughts on business compliance, business compliance. We'll be getting interactive at some point, but before we do that, let's listen to a few more thoughts from Richard. Yes, yes. so 
other things that you need to comply with as a business is that whenever there is a change in auditors, you need to notify the registrar of companies that these changes have taken place. And then um, whenever you have an alteration in your stated capital, so let's say when you were entering, you were starting the business, you said you were going to have a stated capital or you are starting the business with, let's say, 100,000 Ghana cities or 10,000 Ghana cities, and now it changes to, let's say, 500,000. You need to let the registrar of companies be aware of these alterations that have gone into your stated capital. In case there is a share transfer, so... Um, you have 70% shares or you even have 100% shares as a member. You are the only shareholder and now you intend to give other shares to other people that have invested in the business and you make that arrangement. When you do these share transfers, you need to file a copy with a registrar of companies to indicate that this company is now being owned in terms of percentages by Mr. A or Mrs. B or this person or this entity that is now part of the company. And even when the objects of the company changes, so when you were starting, you said you were going to deliver, um, um, let's say, water services. So you are going to give news items to people and now you have changed into doing other things other than broadcasting. You need to notify the registrar of companies that your object has changed from let's say, broadcasting to other businesses. Would that be the reason why people now these days, when they're registering businesses, would would state the specific th- thing they're doing, but also register as a general merchant? Because, yes. you see, maybe I started out and I wanted to sell water. Yes. But I'm looking at the water market, and I think that now Ghanaians prefer something else. So I want to change my business slightly. Number one, should that inform people when they're making the decision to register because this information is required on the, on the registration forms. Yes. Number two, is there a catch-all phrase? I mean, I use that guidedly, you know, to to guard against a situation where you went in for one thing and now you're going in for another thing without necessarily going through the the, the entire process, the tedious process of, it, it, of it, it, updating it's not, your it's records. It's not too tedious <laughs> when you want to op- change the object or you want to alter the object of right. your business. So you start off as a broadcasting entity and you think that now selling water will also help. I mean, nothing restricts you from just going to the registrar um, of companies. And if some of these things are too hard for you, that's why uh, an entity like First Code is there. Mm. We, we support businesses to do some of these things because it's not everything that you can be doing when you are focusing on the day-to-day administration of the company. So when it comes to compliance, when it comes to making sure that we adhere to the laws and the regulations that it is for companies, then you, you, you get in touch with a management consultancy organization such as ours, and then we will help you deal with these you hold things. hold your hand through yes, the process. Yes, we'll, we'll hold your because we've done it over, over so many years, almost about 20 years now. So, I mean, it's quite easier, mm. and then we, we have that experience on the ground to know how to I mean, navigate and through the tenacity to deal with exactly the, <laughs> with, with, with the, the right people. with the otherwise tedious yes, process. But I mean, it's, it's, it's it doesn't harm you in any way right. when you say that you you're going to engage in general, you are going to be a general merchant together with other objects that you have stated. Mm. But mind you, um, you may want to get a certain contract in a certain specific area. Mm-hmm. And when you say general merchant, and then I mean, people would want to take you serious. What is general merchant? You should be known for something. So it's best that you indicate the objects that you have. And if there is any alteration, you think there are any amendments to be done or you want to change or you want to even depart from your original um, object, you can just go to the Registrar General. So the best advice we're giving our listeners is that be sure of exactly what you want to do and go for it. If at any point in your business you think that you want to divert, go and do an update. 
Exactly. I mean, it presents a, a, a more serious front yes. on what you're doing. Yes. Right. Right. Okay. So other compliant issues, um, I think that's also um, very important to attend to when you have a business is look at your social security. So when you are starting off, I mean, registering with the Registrar General's Department, you are made to register with the social security and then bring um, um, a letter of a sort to show that, yes, indeed, you are registered with social security. But sometimes you get the the initial letter, but you may have to also register even your employees who are not registered on social security. Encourage them to register and then make sure you pay their social securities for them. So you don't just limit it to the company, but the members, I mean the employees of the company, make sure that they are all also registered on social security and then their, their SNIT is also paid. And then we look at EPA for purposes of um, companies that may need a certain environmental validation before they go ahead with their business. You need to go to the um, Environmental Protection the Agency and make sure that... And, and make um, sure that you, that you are registered and then you take... You noise take, pollution yes, noise or pollution manufacturing and all of that, or something The like environment that. and everything. Right. And then the renewal of such permit. Mm. And then the Department of Factories Inspectorate. Mm-hmm. Your office needs to be checked. Inspected. Yes. And make sure that it is in compliance with the rules and regulations as stated in the law when it comes to factories and when it comes to offices. So the chairs you use in the office, the kind of environment that you have there, mm. even sanitary conditions and all of that, you need to get a certification from the mm. uh, factories inspectors, factories and offices inspectorate department to get. But this this will typically be done at the beginning of your business, isn't it? Yes, but you know, compliance is a continuous process. Mm. Once you've gotten the initial mm. certification, you need to renew. Right. So when you have it and you are going to renew, you make sure that the things that were there before or things that were recommended mm. to improve upon, you have uh, complied with those things. Mm. Yes. Mm. So it is not just at the initial registration point, but almost all of these organizations will require you to renew whatever you have registered at a point in time. Sometimes it's annually, sometimes right. it's biannually. It depends on the, the requirement of the law with regards to that specific organization. Right. And if then the MMDAs, I mean, um, uh, district, municipal... And, yes, and agencies. You need, you need these business operating permits, and it's mm. also renewed. So every year you make sure that all these things are done for your company to continue to be on the right standing. And right. then lastly, we may have to look at um, Ghana Revenue Authority mm-hmm. and the requirement of the law with regards to registration and filing of your taxes. So mm-hmm. we look at corporate income tax, we look at value-added tax, we look at um, withholding taxes, we look at payee tax that is deducted and paid on behalf of employees, and then we look at the personal income tax for directors and self-employed. Mm-hmm. So all these taxes are things that you have to look at when you register with the Ghana Revenue Authority. Because, mind you, you are supposed to have a financial statement submitted to the Registrar of Companies when you are filing your annual returns. Interesting thoughts. I mean, I know that our listeners want to be part of it. Today, I I want to be able to try and open the phone lines slightly earlier than normal so that our listeners can also be um, a part of this conversation and share some some wonderful thoughts for us. But just as we're sharing some wonderful thoughts for our listeners here on Business Compliance, I also have some wonderful information here, perhaps even for you, Richard. I don't know where you buy your fuel, but Goyle has some very great information for us. And Going cashless has never been this convenient and exciting. Goyle's e-payment systems are now compatible with the GH Link and the national payment platforms. Now you can use your GH Link card on Goyle's POS machines to purchase fuel. The GH Link card offers additional payment options for fuel purchases at Goyle stations in addition to the Go card. 
Every field purchased is recorded automatically on your monthly bank statements, helping cardholders track and manage their expenses. So go ahead and use your GH Link card to buy fuel and all lubricants from any of girls over 400 stations across Ghana. Go cashless and protect yourself and stick to all the COVID-19 protocols in these times. Goyle, they say good energy, Goyle, Yenara, Yedia. Richard, if you don't have a Goyle card, I strongly (laughs) recommend that after this show, you go and get yourself a Goyle card. We want to get interactive so that you can be a part of this conversation, but we'll take a quick message from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Your favorite on-air business development program, Joy Business Masterclass, is in session. And you can interact with us on Facebook via the Joy 99.7 FM or Joy Business pages. If you tweet, the handle is at Joy 997 FM or at Joy Business GH. Don't forget to hashtag JB Masterclass. You can also call us on 0302-216541 or send your questions and contributions through to the WhatsApp number 0551 and our facilitators will address your concerns. Attention everyone, class is in progress. Welcome back. This is Masterclass. If you've just tuned in, Masterclass today is brought to us by Goyle. Girl, they say good energy. Girl, Yenara Yedia. On the show today, we're having a big conversation here on business compliance. Business compliance. What kind of business do you have? How have you registered it? Is it a sole proprietorship? Is it a, a business, a company limited by shares? Is it a company limited by guarantee? Whatever it is, have you even registered it at all? We're having a big conversation here today. What's the position of the law regarding the company that you have and the business that you do? And like I said here when we're introducing this conversation, the way we do business in this country, which is Ghana, our own country, is also prescribed by law and regulated by law. So it's absolutely important to know what the law says regarding how you can do your business so that you don't find yourself falling foul of the law and finding yourself on, on, in a place where you have to pay penalties. Earlier on in the conversation, Richard was sharing with us about some of the sanctions that the law prescribes, penalty points. I'm going to be asking him how those penalty points convert into cash, but we are interactive right now. You can pick up that phone and give us a call, 0302-216-541. That's 0302-216-541. What kind of company do you have? How have you handled your business compliance? What is it that you do in your business regarding how to comply with your regulator? You know, what, what field do you work in? Are you in manufacturing? Are you in the service industry? Do you sell a product? Are you in the retail industry? What do you do? Who are your regulators? How are you complying? And share some thoughts with us. We cannot all be making the same mistakes. So let's learn from each other's mistakes. You can also send us your comments on 055 That's 055 Pick up that phone. Give us a call on 0302-216-541. Richard, while we're waiting for the phone lines to ring... <laughs> You talked about penalty points. Yes. How is it converted to cash? Okay, so... So one penalty point is like how much? 12, it's 12 Ghana cities. One penalty point. Yes. It's so Ghana if you are cities. paying, let's say, 100 penalty points, it's multiplied by 12 Ghana cities. Right. So in the case of not complying with the annual returns, mm-hmm. it means that each officer, together with a company, will be paying 12 times 25 every day. Every day? Yes. That's you default. That's you are in breach. Yes. That's money that could be put to better use. Exactly. So these monies could have gone into the the growth of the business. You could have plowed back into the business. And I mean, why would you have to wait and get to the point that you need to pay these monies as administrative um, penal charges? 
this this just for administrative and penalty. If, and even if you report this in your financials to anybody, it doesn't look good for you as, as a regulator. It doesn't look good. It doesn't yes. look good at all. You also used another phrase: executive and non-executive board members. Yes. What is that? So the executive board members are the members of the board that are directly involved in the day-to-day. So management staff who are yes. on the board. Yes. Right. Are, I mean, involved in the day-to-day administration of the company, and then the non-executive are those that would only come in during board meetings and um, profess their ideas mm. and all of that, but they are not part of the day-to-day administration, administration. Of, the, of the business. Right. So it's absolutely yes. important here also to know the difference between executive and non-executive um, directors. There's a phrase that I came up with, you know, when when I was praying for the show. Yes. Beneficial ownership, and yes. I, I understand that's important to be declared. Yes. When you are you are filling your forms or filing your returns yes. or dealing with that with the, with the register general. Yes. What is beneficial ownership and how is it important to this conversation? So last week we tackled something similar to beneficial ownership. So we want to know everyone who is behind the business or who benefits from the business. So if you are um, let's say hiding behind somebody or fronting for somebody. Now the law requires that whoever is benefiting in a way or has interest in the business should be disclosed. What's the rationale? So that um, people don't hide behind entities and then be doing share transfer pricing and those things that we discussed. So maybe I'm just shy. I just don't want people to know that it's my company. I don't want people to know that I have money. I mean, why can't I hide? Now we need to know you. <laughs> Because we are in this country that banks collapsed, yeah, and and owners of those some owners of those banks were the ones collapsing the banks. Some of mm. them were taking money. Some of their their entities, their companies, their, their other actions and inactions. their other companies were taking loans, and it became bad loans for these banks, mm. and it was in their sitting in their books. And because, like I said earlier last week, that based on our culture and our experiences, when the boss speaks, no one speaks. The real owner is hiding we behind somebody. Proverbs. Yes. Proverbs to support that. Yes. The mm-hmm. real boss is hiding behind someone, and that person is sitting as the, let's say, shareholder or a majority shareholder, but someone is behind. And that person has another entity and is taking money. And you are, you are asked to record as an accountant in a certain way so that it does not show up. So now the law wants to know everyone who is behind. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, over time, I mean, I, I make the example of the Proverbs. I think we're just sort of coming to a place as a people where we are misapplying, we're looking for opportunities to misapply even the things which have otherwise guided us yes. in the past. Yes. And and definitely we need to work on our attitudes, yes. you know, as well. You you talked about floating shares and going to the public. And essentially what, what that is, is going to the public and say, listen, um, I'm going to give you a piece of my company for in exchange for some amount of money. Yes. Number one, so that I become liquid and I can I can trade. Number two, yes. so that I'm on the stock exchange. Integrity comes up. There are a lot of benefits yes. for listing on a stock exchange yes. and for floating. Yes. Now, um, what will pre-qualify a company? What are the things to do as a company who's listening to us who wants to float shares? Can any limited liability company float shares? Yes, if you want to float shares, there are laid-down regulations that you have to adhere to. So the stock exchange, like I said, is there. You have to approach them, indicate to them that this is what you want to do. And now the, your objects and all the things that you sought to do as a company initially, you may have to look at it, whether the stock exchange will allow you, the rules governing the stock exchange will allow you to be able to go on the market, the public market, to ask people to come and then 
put their money in your business. We have to make sure that your company is such that when it collapses, we are not going to have so many people going to lose. It's fear so, of damage. Yes, so we have to look at your finances and all of that. So if you want to go public in future, you have to start now making sure that you are in compliance with the law. Your taxes are well paid. All the things that you need to do in relation to business compliance are being done so that tomorrow when you intend to go public, then you may qualify. But if your books are not well kept, if you are not in compliance with the law, then you have no business even going to the public because within your small space, you couldn't even manage your affairs. So and, that, and you know, doesn't the, I mean, as you speak, something something comes to my mind. One of the things that we should do as compliance for businesses is keep your books well. Keep your books well because when you start to file your taxes, you know, tax returns at the GRN and with other regulators, these questions will come up. And yes. if your books are not properly kept, then it also becomes a sore point where you can actually fall into breach sure. and then, and then you know, be, be sanctioned um, appropriately. Yes. Um, we're interactive right now. This is Masterclass. Numbers to call 0302-216541. That's 0302-216541. You can also send us your comments on 05511. One one nine nine seven. If you're watching us on Facebook, you can post your questions. Then our production crew will make sure that we get your questions and and address them. So yeah, one yes. area that um, we also have to look at is the industry specific regulations right. that we need to comply with. So um, we discovered oil some years back, and and now we have the Petroleum Commission, we have all these institutions that are there to support local businesses and even foreign businesses who wants to come and trade or do um, upstream or downstream oil business. So the Petroleum Commission, for instance, has a local content law that helps indigenous Ghanaian businesses to partner with foreign companies. So, you know, first, a foreign company intending to come to Ghana may either come and register a branch office here or they will even fro- let someone front for them and then be doing business on it. Now, you are allowed to come here, incorporate as a Ghanaian, company. I mean, a foreign company incorporated in Ghana mm-hmm. here and then partner with a Ghanaian company, indigenous mm-hmm. Ghanaian company and form what we call a JV, Joint, mm-hmm. joint Venture, when you have the JV, then you can apply for contract. So the, the indigenous Ghanaian company is registered with the Petroleum Commission, mm-hmm. and then the foreign entity comes, you register with GIPC, and then you have your footing here. Then you have a JV that can get contract. The idea is to have knowledge transfer, knowledge and skill transfer to these local businesses. So as we are here in Ghana and we have such an industry that is booming, we should take advantage of some of these opportunities and then register our businesses such that when we keep our books well, we will attract these foreign companies who will come and partner with us. And then you'll be a beneficiary of this oil boom that we have in mm-hmm. our country. An area like, um, um, let's say, minerals. I mean, mm-hmm. we are talking about small-scale mining and all of that and the conversation around Galamse and everything. But there are indigenous Ghanaian companies... Legitimately doing... Who are legitimate, and they have complied with all the regulations with regards to Minerals Commission. Mm-hmm. So you can go through Minerals Commission, get all your licenses, get your prospecting license, get your um, um, uh, exploitation license and everything, exploration license, and then you go ahead and do your production, and you'll be fine. Mm. Um, another entity or one organization that we need to take advantage of is the GIPC. Mm. You know... It's for basically foreign companies that wants to come here mm-hmm. with a certain minimum capital. But do you know Ghanaian companies can also register and get the advantages that one can receive from GIPC, mm-hmm. like tax incentives, like immigration quota, and, and, and 
you go through these things mm -hmm. and you you are free from all these tax liabilities for a certain period right. of time right I have a comment on social media. This is from Ken at Ligon. Good afternoon to you, Ken. Um, thank you for listening to Masterclass. He says, I have two questions. Number one, can a company downgrade to a partnership? Let's take that one first. Can a company downgrade to a partnership? So if you're a company limited by shares. Yes. And you want by to, guarantee. Yes. You can, you can decide to change what you do. So you don't want to be a limited liability company anymore. Mm -hmm. You can decide to go to the winding process and mm -hmm. then now become a partnership you have two people or three people you yeah. come together then you form a partnership so and can then you keep yeah. the, the name that you used to have right. just that you not have the limited yes after it anymore but there's a process to go through yeah there's a this. process to go okay through. so ken the answer to that question is yes there's a process to go through and i'm not sure if the word is downgrade but you can change um the, From, the nature of yeah, the company yeah. as i say that you know a question a statement comes to mind can the leopard change the sports <laughs> in this case yes the leopard can change his sports the second one is it says please what does compliance say about company names as well as passing off as it's a big dealing it's a big dealing gun i don't know what passing off means ken um if you're listening just text us a bit more clarification but it says um what does compliance say about company names as well as so when, when it comes to company names, you first have to search mm -hmm. at the register of companies whether or not the name has not been registered by mm -hmm. any entity already. Mm -hmm. So if the name has not been registered, it means it's available for you to have um, the company registered mm -hmm. in the name that you seek to. And then when you go through the process of registration, mm -hmm. then you have your name. And you can also get your name, the company name, reserved for you for a period of time. So you pay an amount of money, I think it's about 50 cities or 100 mm -hmm. cities, I'm not so sure of the amount, mm -hmm. at the Registrar General's Department, and then they will keep the name for you right. for a period of time. Okay, so Ken, yeah. is, but Ken says, pass, I think by passing off, he means imitating a known company. So instead of, let's say, McDonald's, you say McBonald's or something like that. Ken, I hope I, I'm, I'm speaking your mind. Um, what does compliance say about the name? First of all, you explain that if the name has been used already, yes, there's no way the RGD is going to allow you exactly. to use it. Um, if there are slight similarities and a change, what makes a name different from the other? Is it nomenclature? Is it spelling? Is it what? what yes, it? spelling and, and sometimes when it's too close to the other. So we have Joy FM. Mm -hmm. Then someone says that I'm Joy, but my Joy is J-O-I. Mm -hmm. The register of companies will not allow... And I find that they are very strict on names that yes, look like other people. There's no way they're going to allow you to use a certain it. brand. Right. And it's grown over time. Right. And then someone changes a name which sounds the same way as yours. <laughs> and he wants to register a broadcasting company. Mm -hmm. It will not be allowed. Of course not. Of yes. course not. I've got a few more comments. This one is from Digor in Medina. Thank you, Digor, for um, listening to Masterclasses. My question is, how can you do all these compliance things while starting a business? Digor, this one, I won't let Richard answer The answer is that get a lawyer. Get a lawyer, consult, get somebody. Not, not necessarily a lawyer. I mean, mm -hmm. there are management consultancy companies. Or a management yes. consultancy company like First Code. Yes. They're able to help you to do this. Um, the second question is, how can you pay all workers as a starter? I, I'm not sure how. It says, can you postpone payments to workers or snitch salaries tax at the starting of a business? Thank you. That's the girl from Medina. <laughs> can you postpone some of these payments? That's why when you are starting a company, you need an initial capital to start with. Yeah. So you cannot engage people mm -hmm. 
and then you not pay their salaries. You not pay their. So the answer is no. They go. You not pay their taxes. No, it is not allowed. Once you you start, what I do can happen is if you have not done any business in a particular period, you can write to the to the GRA and say you have not done any business. Yes. And and that one is on record. You are, you are exempted you are from exempted. paying. But all of once you've days. done business and you have not written that letter, um, they go. I'm sorry, you have to pay. Mm-hmm. This one you didn't add your name. It says yeah, I've registered a company and have not opened. An account yet and have not started operating for the past four years is the company still viable to operate now if yes what do i do to get the company activated if i, I don't have an office yet i'll let lawyer take this one Richard. yes so if the company has not been deleted from the list of companies at the registrar general mm-hmm. but you do a quick search and find out whether the company still exists and if it exists you go through the necessary process to make sure that all the things that you need to have you have them to be able to operate and then have your account. But like you said initially, when you are not operating, you can tell the Registrar General that you should be exempted because for this period of time, you did not operate as a company. Mm-hmm. And that for for these reasons, mm-hmm. you were unable to work. And so they should be so exempted from RGDs all of these. And go find to the RGD and find out whether your company But additionally, is once you register a company, yes. every year you're supposed to do a certain renewal. Yes. If you haven't done it, just go and check. This one is Emmanuel. It says, good Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. I want to know what to do in case you register a company, but unfortunately, you couldn't start due to certain circumstances. Again, the same answer. Go and check if it's still viable yes. and if you can reactivate it. I think I have enough time to just take one more comment. Um, there's a comment here on social media. You didn't add your name. Okay. All right. It's not too clear what the question is. If you can just resend it again. We'll try and... Um, okay. No, I don't think that's for me. Right. Okay, so let's. We've just got a few seconds to go. I had a lot of questions to ask, but what should we remember from today's conversation if we remember nothing at all? So, um, what we have said in a nutshell is that there are laws and regulations governing the operations of businesses. So, once you have a registered company, make sure you adhere to these rules. And then we should make sure that we take advantage of these opportunities because, as. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.